Hey, this is Arjun here, your host of the Investigate podcast, and I'm back for another episode. Now, today's episode, we've got a returning guest on, and none other than Jung, our research analyst here at Investigate Buyers Agency. So if you've been a fan of some of our blog posts, our research papers, our white papers, our client reports. Well, the mastermind behind this is joining us in today's episode. Now, in today's episode, we're going to go through something that's been a hot topic of late. Now, it's all about the regional property boom. Because remember, everyone seemed to have thought that regional property booms only ever happened during COVID. Well, we're going to go into the data to tell you why that might not actually be the case. The second thing is, that everyone seems to think that the regional boom is either happening or it's not happening and it's only to do with people working from home. We'll test that theory out as well. But the main thing here is we want to answer that question. Is the regional property boom over? What is happening around the country? And who better to have that discussion with than Jung and our research team who lives deep into the numbers, understands what's happening across the nation, constantly scanning to find the areas that, in fact, we've used to outperform the nation by over 29% over the last five years. And so you're going to love this episode where Jung and I go deep into this and actually uncover some of the things that are important when analyzing that property boom in the regions and analyzing some of the other sides of it as well. Jung, welcome on board and thanks for being on the show. Hi Arjun, I'm so happy to be back. Awesome, awesome. Now Jung, you know, COVID boom, big interest mm -hmm. rate pull, turn to interest rates increasing 13 times over the last you know, 12 months or 15 months, and it could be even more. But that perspective, there's been a few pauses in a row. Is firstly the COVID boom over? And I guess, what's this region boom got going on where everything was massive during that timeline? And what are we kind of seeing now? Is, is that really over? Is that a fair question to start off with? If we're talking about the COVID boom, I think you mentioned COVID boom. Yes, the COVID boom is definitely over. <laughs> We're seeing evidence everywhere, uh, that is for sure. But uh, for property booms in the regions, it is not over. It can never be over. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, so go into why you feel it can't be over. And I guess, what's your thoughts on, you know, when we take a look at some of these examples that me and you are talking about from Sydney and Melbourne and what happened over the last sort of period and what's been happening in maybe areas outside of those cities and thinking of the regional markets examples that you shared with me too? Mm-hmm. So yeah, first thing first, we need to know that the COVID boom was phenomenal. It's really not normal. In the regional New South Wales, house value increased by 65.3% in just two years. That is from June 2020 to June 2022, those the peak of the COVID boom. And that is annualized as 29% a year. That's massive. That is massive, that right? is much higher than Sydney's boom. At the same period, Sydney grew by 18% a year, much higher than Sydney's. And uh, regional Victoria as well, its annualized growth was 28% a year, just a little bit lower than New South Wales's. And also it's much higher than the Melbourne's 17% annual growth. So you're talking, what, 65% growth in regional Victoria, 65 roughly in New South Wales, mm -hmm. and then about half that almost in the Sydney and Melbourne during the two years. No wonder why everyone's called it a regional property boom, even though there's been some decent results in some of these other cities named, right. but majority of it was in those regional areas that you named. So I guess mm -hmm. from that perspective, does that 
kind of show you that property booms are not just a capital thing, but a regional thing or everywhere thing in a way? Yeah, I think so. But I guess before I give you any examples of uh, an original boom before COVID, we need to understand that a boom is called a boom not when it's over 20% growth. In my opinion, whenever it is uh, 10% or plus or even close to 10% for a few consecutive years, that can be called a boom. So yeah, that's a really good point, Jung, because long-term averages are around 5 to 7%. Right. And so what you're saying is, hey, don't feel like a boom needs to be 30% in one year or 20% in one year, like the examples of some region areas during COVID. It could be 8 9 10%. Mm-hmm. And that too, a couple years in a row of that, that is in itself a boom. It's a really good call out. Right, right. So now, yeah, let's uh, look at some uh, booms before COVID in the regions. I have uh, two... Uh, examples here. One is from New South Wales, one is from uh, Victoria. I'm using these two examples because um, from 2013 to 2017, we all remember there's a boom for Sydney and there's a boom for Melbourne. And they are kind of uh, the correspondence part of uh, the regional correspondence for these two capital cities. So from 2013 to 2017, Sydney's house price grew by 62% in those four years. And at the same time, Kayama, its house price grew by 59% at the same amount of time. So that's that is, huge. Yeah, that's that a is massive huge. Growth. It's just a little bit lower than Sydney, but it's still very, very impressive. I'm just trying to imagine during people going back to that day and going, oh, don't go to Kayama. It's got nothing going on for it. It's just got the blowhole. What else <laughs> do you want to do in Kayama other than the blowhole? How does that pump property markets up? <laughs> And then right. all of a sudden, close to 60% growth in those four years following. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yes. And another example is Geelong, which is super close to Melbourne. Melbourne's boom was kind of from 2013 to 2017. And uh, its value growth is 44% in four years. And Geelong's boom was kind of one year after Melbourne's. It's from 2014 to 2018. And its value growth was 39% in those four years, also very close to Melbourne's. Yeah, and I think I noticed, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, that regional New South Wales surrounding Sydney and Melbourne, they kind of happened with a little bit of a lag, right? Just a little after the Sydney started and Melbourne started and a little after Sydney and Melbourne kind of slowed, they slowed as well in that particular example. So that was, yeah, interesting to see. And so I guess it shows you firstly that the booms happened in the past in regional areas Mm-hmm. Even before COVID, it's not just a COVID thing is kind of what you're saying. Yes. Now, what about some of the sub-markets in other regions? I know you looked at some other areas as well outside of those kind of capital city close to regions. You talked about, I think it was Shepparton we were talking offline. That was another area that seemed to have had a, a really good price run as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Shepparton is a bit uh, different from uh, uh, the two examples I just talked about because um, it didn't boom at the same time or immediately follow the capital city's boom. It has its own cycle. I have this annual growth rate chart in front of me. I'm so sorry, I can't, I can't show it to you. Um, we'll we'll but, find uh, a way to get it up on the videos. <laughs> I reckon I just need some of those YouTube moments where, you know, I, I grab my finger uh, and pointing yes, it up this right. way, like, check out the chart here. And hopefully someone who edits this afterwards is going to do that and doesn't make me look real silly by pointing in the air and goes, <laughs> oh, nothing's there. But yeah, look, we'll throw up Shepparton somewhere in cool, front yeah, of me can... to the side. Right. We'll figure it out. Right, right. So when Melbourne and uh, Geelong was 
start booming during those years, Sheverton's growth wasn't really impressive. It was below 5% from 2012 to around 2017-18. And uh, ever since then, the I, I think 2018, the annual growth rate has been increasing year by year. And now I believe uh, in those in the five years from 2018 to now, the total value growth of Sheverton has reached a really, uh, really high point. I think it's 60% plus in these wow. five years. What that shows you clearly, like I'm just looking at this chart, Melbourne, Geelong had that similar wave of growth, but then Geelong's growth continued at high paces even after Melbourne slowed down a little bit in the years following Melbourne's boom. Mm-hmm. But then Shepparton, this is where many people get it wrong. They think, oh, nah, Shepparton has nothing until COVID came. Well, Shepparton's growth charts look really positive from 2018-19 yes. and 2019-20, which, hello, the COVID thing wasn't there then, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that's a clear sign. And then instead of having a bit of inflection and coming off like from 21 and 22 after the interest rates rising, you can see that Melbourne and Geelong calmed down, whereas Shepparton continued to grow. Mm -hmm. And so that just shows some positive signs from these charts. And it just really highlights that, I guess what you're saying is that the regional boom isn't really a regional boom because yes, it did go well. And that's just comparing to a couple of capital markets that has given people this opinion that regionals only do well because of COVID. But you've seen different Mm -hmm. cities being Geelong performing well during those years prior and Shepparton is an example as well. But of course, there'll be many other examples that people could say from Queensland too that have done similar patterns like this. So when you look at some of these trends, Jung, I guess when you're taking a look at history and you've seen us talk about that now to show different Mm -hmm. periods of the booms, what about now, right? We've had interest rates go up 13 times. And that's obviously impacted many people. It's reduced confidence, but now supply remains very low and we're starting to see markets pick back up, even those ones that declined. Mm -hmm. But there are a bunch of areas that actually did not decline and they did pretty well. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They were regional areas. They did not come off their regional boom. Their regional boom continued. Mm -hmm. So what were some of these areas and what did you notice when you were assessing some of these areas? And I know there's a list of a larger amount of areas, but I guess it'd be good to just focus on one particular region that you were looking at. Let's say I just looked at the um, August Ecologic Home Value Index report. And in that report, we're seeing regional South Australia doing really well um, in those uh, regional SA cities. Murray Bridge, which is in the SA3 of uh, Murray and Mali, is doing exceptionally well. It, the house price there grew by 11.9% in the past year. And uh, Wow. Double-digit growth yes. after 13 interest rate rises. Unreal. Yes, it's definitely con- a continuum boom after the COVID boom. And when you look at areas, I think SA was one focus, but that was just one area in SA. Which other areas in SA continue to grow in mm-hmm. that regional space during that last sort of 12 months, the whole now part? Yeah. Following Murray Bridge, we have a Limestone Coast, which is uh, where Mount Gambier is. The growth there is also great, 9.3% in 12 months. Massive. Yes, and uh, then following that, we have a Fleurier Kangaroo Island SA3. The annual growth was 8.8%. And then after that, we have Verosa, uh, 7.6% in a year. These are the regions we're seeing 
doing really well in SA. And so SA is showing areas where after interest rates, after many parts of the country, and supposedly after the COVID boom ending, which clearly not the case for these areas, what are you feeling are some of the reasons why these four South Australian regional areas have continued to pick up even in the midst of low confidence, lower borrowing capacities by up to 40%, mm-hmm. and higher interest rates and declines in other markets? I think there are multiple reasons. The biggest one, I believe, is the affordability. Yeah, these regions, um, median median house price are, I believe, 400k to 600k. And uh, they are much more affordable to the local residents than the um, bigger cities or these regional cities in New South Wales or Victoria. So affordability is one uh, big thing. Oh, I remember there's a report by Population Australia. They're saying that other than uh, family reasons, the major reasons that drive people to move is one, cost of living, and two, job opportunities. So housing affordability is a big part in cost of living. That's why I believe these regions are really popular that uh, keep attracting people and keeping their housing demand locally high or even higher than uh, during COVID times. And uh, the other reason, as uh, suggested by Population Australia, is the job opportunities. The local economy is thriving. The unemployment rate is declining over years. They're uh, offering a lot more opportunities for locals and maybe people from other cities, other regions. People are attractive by those job opportunities here. They need housing. They need either to rent a house or to buy a house to live in. And uh, that demand has um, kind of driven rental price to grow and sales price to grow. Yeah, so I guess that's the two main reasons I'm thinking that's uh, driving these regions, housing market to, to keep up. The job opportunities has always been an interesting one. And me and you look at that so deeply because when we look at jobs, many people seem to feel like they have to see people in suits, <laughs> corporate towers, full and fancy restaurants. Mm-hmm. Lots of visor caps, construction materials and everything and road blockages and all that sort of stuff and cranes in the sky. Right. This is a big problem that property investors make in terms of analyzing data wrong, using certain feel, look, emotions to think of what creates jobs or what is job creation. Mm-hmm. I loved an exercise that we did behind the scenes, which was we pulled a lot of data around the labor market information portal, job advertisements through Seek, Career One, job ads, all that sort of stuff. And what many don't recognize is that if an area, let's call it Mount Gambia, mm-hmm. let's call it Barossa Valley, has, say, 500 jobs online applicable across all of these areas. And then all of a sudden that jumps to 550. That's a 10% increase (laughs) in job advertisements. That is no small thing. Mm -hmm. And that 50 jobs, 50 people, there could be moments where there might not be 50 rental properties, Mm -hmm. right? So this is called pressure. People sometimes feel that it needs to be a new creation of stock and high stock, high population growth. We're not concerned about population growth all the time. We're concerned about pressure Mm -hmm. because if we've got five houses, five families all come in and soak them up perfectly, that is growth with five new families joining, but that Mm -hmm. is not pressure. But if we've got one to two rental properties available, maybe hardly any construction, I think this is a great point that you've done so well in your reports, and this is powerful. 
Thank you so much, Arjun, for this edition. Yeah. Now, in terms of what's next, property booms, regional areas, mm -hmm. we agreed that the boom is not over because we had five regions there given out in SA that were booming even whilst interest rates and the declines nationally are being reported. There are many more across Queensland, WA and many other areas that things are happening quite well. But then in conclusion, Jung, what's your mm -hmm. thoughts on this whole regional property boom? Is it a COVID thing? Is it not? Is the boom over? How do we best describe this to everyone who's tuned in today? Yeah, the COVID boom in the regions is over, but the property booms in the regions, it has happened before. It's happening now and it will definitely happen in the future. Yeah, I'm a hardcore believer in the regions. Awesome. Well, because at the end of the day, a region is just a city, a capital city is just a city. And if we analyze cities of all types, shapes, sizes, economies, to the detail that you can, and uh, when you do it as good as Jung does, it makes it a lot easier to pick out the ones that perform. So thank you, Jung, as always, for all that you do for our clients in terms of the performance there for them, but also all the content that you put out. And if you want to hear more from Jung, podcasts like these are just one way or watching this in the video and hopefully that chart pop-up happens like I'd hope it happens. But uh, if it doesn't, you can all uh, leave a laugh at me. But when it comes to the uh, ways you can hear from Jung, and there's many other ways. Check out our blogs on Investigate's News and Insights research section. Check out our white papers. Jung and I have been here together Investigate for crossing two years now. And we've had two years worth of white papers as a strategy that we came up with and, and she's flawlessly executed. And there's some of the most featured research papers all across Australia's mainstream media, TV, articles, and we're here to provide it all for free. Nothing to sell you from this research. This research is totally free for you to be able to go in, download, and get ahead in your journey. Obviously, review your own personal financial circumstances. And uh, if it means, hey, look, you want to reach out to us to help you personally, do so at investikit.com.au. But if you'd just like to grab that research, enhance that journey, learn more, go out and do it yourself, be our guest. It's investikit.com.au and slash the research tab. You can hear from Jung in all sorts of ways there. So thank you so much, Jung, and appreciate you joining the show. Thank you so much, Arjun, for this opportunity and for your always support.